Welcome into a bonus episode of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. It's Fan Friday on a Wednesday. I know it's weird, but we wanted to get one in before the trade deadline. Alex, what are we talking about today with some of our uh, some of our listeners? Well, we uh, we got on last night for Fan Wednesday, and in this first part of this two part bonus episode, because we're so kind, we recorded a double length episode with everybody. Uh, we are talking about what we think the Knicks are going to do this deadline, what we want the Knicks to do this deadline, uh, what we think the, the league at large is going to do this deadline, and how we feel about potentially trading for Lonzo Ball versus a future draft pick uh, for the Knicks. Because both things have come up. Allegedly, Eric Bledsoe is available to be sort of uh, paired with either Lonzo or a draft pick if you absorb Eric Bledsoe's salary. So. We'll talk about all that and more next on this first part of our Fan Wednesday. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, let's get things started. Welcome to the Locked On Nick quote unquote fan Friday on Wednesday. Trade deadline edition, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and uh, yeah, whoever wants to wants to get us started with a question. We're also, um, if you're tuning in, you can shoot us questions on Twitter as well. Yeah, let's uh, let's bring up uh, Mike. I think is first in line. I'm going to bring you up, Mike. Hey, how how you guys doing? Good. How are you, Mike? I was, I, just, I was just reading your Strickland article, like literally oh, right before we started. Yeah. Oh, it was thanks. Really good. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't know I was first in line, but I'll take it. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> this is like, you know, it's like one of those, I don't know if it's quite, you know, like a Christmas holiday or anything like that, but it's, it's you know, the free agency craziness is always the, the best night. But over the years, I've come to really love, you know, trade deadlines and stuff on Twitter. It makes Twitter a lot more fun. Um, I thought maybe I'd ask you, since I don't really expect the Knicks to do all that much, I'd ask you, you know, if you think that there's any other teams doing major things do you think you're going to see any major things happen in other parts of the league uh alex i'll throw that to you oh i think absolutely i think this is going to be a very busy trade deadline like i think the wide open nature of the league right now is emboldening everybody like you know in past years and you know i guess we we didn't see it quite as much last year with the trade deadline Try that like it was actually somewhat subdued last year, but like it, there's no more of that sense of like, oh, this is a foregone conclusion. The Warriors are going to win the title. What's the point of even trying to you know add pieces or whatever? Like a lot of the teams that people thought were going to be competing this year aren't competing. A lot of the you know teams that that weren't necessarily as competitive last year sort of stepped up a little bit, but there are some teams like. You know, I don't know, like the Nuggets um, are maybe a dark horse for trying to add some talent because they're sort of underperforming where they were projected to be. 
Uh, the Celtics, obviously, you know, we're intimately familiar with being in division. Um, th- there might be, you know, I, I think some teams like the Nets are probably more or less done with trades, I think, although they're still being linked to to people, though it's it's unclear what assets exactly they would be able to trade, I guess, an injured Spencer Dinwiddie or whatever. But, you know, other teams, I think, are going to be active in trying to get better. Um, because it does feel like everything is pretty wide open right now. So to me, I, I think that there's going to be a, a definite uh, market out there for for other teams to get better other than just the Knicks. But uh, to if you ask me to actually pick out who I think is going to be the one to, you know, get uh, to get traded or whatever, or, you know, what the deal is going to be. I don't even know if I could do that because there's just so many names flying around right now linked to so many different teams, but something tells me that it's going to sort of resemble this past free agency period where there's going to be a lot of movement and a lot of, a lot of different things happening at once. Yeah. I'm, I'm of a similar sentiment. I feel like we go through the same exercise every year where people are like, you know, it's going to be a quiet deadline. We're going to make the big deal. No big names, yada, yada, yada. And every year there's, there's something relatively interesting. Obviously, you, you have more exciting years and less exciting years, but I, I think this one's going to be like surprisingly active. And it, it seems like as we get closer, as it always inevitably does, um, it's the it's getting hotter and hotter. And you look at a team like the Raptors, and initially, I was I was kind of of the opinion, especially after the All Star break, it seemed like they were finally getting their stuff together. That you know what, they're just going to keep this together, especially with Norman Powell make, playing so well, and, and they're going to try to put together a run and maybe even go like get someone like Andre Drummond and get a big and, and, and win an Eastern conference that pre the nets really turning it up looked pretty vulnerable. But now that seems almost entirely out the window. Like even if they keep everyone together, they're, they're borderline play in team. I, I think they would get there, but record wise that that's what they are. Um, Powell, it sounds like is definitely going to get dealt Lowry. I was kind of of the opinion, like ultimately, like they're not going to want to bite the bullet. Like no one's going to, give up enough for him on that contract. Um, now I'm leaning more towards they try and get an asset for him. And it sounds like it's, it's going to be Philly or Miami, though. Woe said today the Lakers are apparently somehow in the running there. And the Lakers, like the Nets, I don't really know what they have to trade outside of that 2027 first-round pick and maybe maybe Taylor Horton Tucker. But that I, I, don't, I don't know what Philly and Miami are beating up that like dramatically trumps that unless Miami all of a sudden like they weren't willing to move off Tyler Harrow for James Harden and they're like ah you know what? let's 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 do it for Lowry which would be uh interesting and kind of weird but yeah I'm, I'm increasingly of the opinion that it's going to be more active the the really fascinating thing to me Mike and I'll, I'll throw it over to you to, to get your thoughts on this but I, I'm I'm really enticed by the idea that Malcolm Brogdon all of a sudden might be available I don't know if that means Indiana's totally bro- blowing it up and I know some people are saying Sabonis might be soon to follow but to me that's I mean from a Knicks perspective that that's the name that like immediately intrigues me the most and like the one guy I'd be like yeah I would I think about trading Emmanuel quickly and some other stuff for him like I I think he's that good and that good of a fit but I'll I'll throw it over to you to kind of comment on your own question What, what, what are your thoughts on what this deadline is going to be like yeah I think deadlines are interesting so I mean I think you have on one hand the kind of deadline where you might have teams that have a superstar player that know they aren't going anywhere and you see that player suddenly get shipped off in a massive package and everybody gets excited about that. But I think we saw that with Harden already. And I don't know that there's anybody like that that's going to be sort of, you know, getting the top headline in this trade period. But I do think that, you know, that's much more rare. What you usually see is people tinkering at the margins and you you see these mid-level guys, you know, who are, are, you know, good players, but they're, you know, second or third 
players on a, on a playoff team. And I think this year, the interesting thing is that, especially in the East, there are so many teams that are, you know, right in the pack for, you know, spots four through 11 or whatever it may be, that you may see people trading their piece that doesn't quite fit for somebody else's piece that doesn't quite fit. And you might see a lot of this kind of shuffling of the, the you know, the deck chairs. Um, and that, that can be interesting. I mean, at least I think it can be a frenzy of activity. I'd be curious, you know, the the big names that you hear in terms of you know the sort of they're not marquee names in the league but they're sort of marquee names in this this trade rumor cycle the you know Lowry is probably one of the bigger ones and Brogdon was one that got everybody excited and Lonzo is probably the the one guy everybody is most sitting on the edge of their seats about is you know whether that's all smoke and and no fire or whether we're going to see a bunch of those guys move I mean I think that's really the key and I guess the last thing I'll say before I wrap up is uh is the Knicks have that interesting space right now. We have all the cap space. We have some assets to move around. We definitely could, you know, be involved in straight up trades in a bunch of ways, but we could also be involved in brokering various kinds of things for teams. And I I'm curious as to whether the Knicks are going to be active earlier or they're going to try and wait and see if they can't leverage all that stuff you know, closer to the, closer to the, what is it? 3 PM, I guess is the, is the close of the period or is it 4 PM or something? I, yeah, I think it's three. Yeah. I'm curious if the Knicks are going to be, you know, eerily quiet for a long period of time and then, you know, get involved in something that has kind of interesting machinations a little bit closer to the deadline. Like they've, they've, you know, waited until people get desperate enough that they can kind of leverage it. I, I, I we don't know what this front office is like in terms of their strategy, but, I think that could be kind of fun anyway. All right. Obviously, Mike, this is this is kind of impossible to answer, given that you don't know what the deal would be. But just just kind of general feeling. Are you going into tomorrow hoping that the Knicks make a deal or, or would you feel pretty good if they stand pat and you're just like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're in a pretty good place in, in some ways? Like, I mean, obviously, they already got Rose, but just getting like Mitch back getting the improved versions of Randall. Now, RJ making a leap. It, it almost feels like they've already made their move. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're asking me that question, and I have to answer it two ways probably. And the first way is as you know, as like the little kid on Christmas, it's like, of course I want them to make a deal. Of course I want like <laughs> I want Lonzo Ball and I want Brogdon, and like of course I want all that stuff, and I don't even care what they give up to get it. You know, it's like there is something like a little bit addictive about following these things all year long yeah. as intensely as we do. Like you definitely want it to happen, but I think honestly, in all good sense, I think if it does happen. It, it, you know, I'm hoping that it happens in a really sensible way that um, shows that this front office is, you know, sort of at the peak of front offices around the league in terms of, you know, how they can get something for less than what people expected. And if they can't, then I think they'd be smart to just kind of wait things out and, you know, maybe maybe move Austin Rivers or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, Alex, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say to to go back. To, I was just thinking about something that you said a minute ago, Mike, about uh, you know how there's no more like Harden type deals left to be had, and I and I do agree with that. I don't think that there's going to be a I don't know what you would call that class of superstar, like a like a mega star trade, you know, like a perennial all star type guy traded at this deadline. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of movement of solid like 15 to 20 point per game 
you know, scorers, multifaceted players, like high, high level role player type guys dealt at this deadline, which, you know, are the type of guys that, uh, of course, James Harden is probably, you know, if the Nets end up winning a championship this year, it's almost certainly going to be because the Harden trade put them over the top and that, you know, that collection of talent just became too much. But we do often see some other trades, you know, around midseason, like the Marcus Gasol trade, for example, to Toronto kind of being the difference maker in, in, you know, making a team from just a good team into a potentially championship team. Um, I could potentially see that happening this year with the, uh, the guys that are being rumored to be available around the league. Like, you know, there's Larry Markinen coming up from the Bulls. There's Victor Oladipo, obviously, who I think if you're going to book one person who's almost definitely going to be gone, it's going to be Oladipo because the Rockets have no interest in holding on to him and just losing him as a free agent when they could even just take the lowest possible or sorry, the highest possible offer they get, even if it's not as high as they were looking for and, and just make a deal that way. Um, You know, there's Aaron Gordon being discussed uh, as a potential guy that's available. We just heard Brogdon. And even in that same report said, you know, even for the right price, Sabonis could be available, which he's, he's encroaching on, you know, perennial all-star type player. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the market is concerned right now, um, you know, Evan Fournier, it is just a lot of guys, Lonzo Ball, obviously, who's a, a rising player. I just think there's a lot of guys that are going to be moved because I, I just like I said, I, I feel like I don't know what it is, but I feel it in my bones that this is just going to be one of the most active trade deadlines in the last like five to ten years um, in the sense of teams being willing to pull the trigger on these sort of guys and. Uh, you know, just take their run this year and, and see what they can do. Uh, as far as what the Knicks are going to do, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll be discussing more as we take other questions and stuff too, but I, I could see, I, I just think something is going to happen for the Knicks, whether it's going and, you know, making a sort of aggressive move for a guy like, I don't think, Oladipo is going to be in play because I think the Rockets asking price is too high and the Knicks seem to think that they might have a shot in free agency, but, you know, maybe going after Alonzo or an Evan Fournier could be on the table. Um, but like, if nothing else, I could see them, they're, they're going to use that cap space some way or another. They're going to find a creative way to do it, to involve themselves in a, you know, in a trade with someone and, and hopefully net an asset in exchange for that, that cap space and quote unquote weaponize the cap space. So. That's like my overall prediction, but you know, I'm sure we'll <laughs> take some more questions about other interesting things the Knicks might be up to. All right, uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Mike. And uh, Mike, uh, let let everyone know where they could find you on on social media, and uh, and remind everyone that you just you just put out an article on the Strickland. Sure. So uh, you can find me at, at Orange and Plue P L O O, and uh, I just posted or the piece that I wrote uh, was just posted, I guess. Was it yesterday? Is that right? Alex? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yesterday. <laughs> and it's about it's a little bit about what sports are for and the role that media plays in, you know, making us happy or not. And it, it was it was a cool concept. It was one. It was it was it was timely on our part because we were, we were having that conversation with with CP today um, about his his duels with Max Kellerman. But combo for another day. Um, Mike, thanks again for coming on. And nice, guys. Uh, I'm going to. Bring on! Uh, I know Omar. I see he re- um, he requested to speak, but uh, Joseph got it first, like uh, right at the beginning of that combo. So Joseph, if you're still there, I'm gonna 
invite you up to speak. And if not, we'll bounce to Omar. Nope, we got Joseph. Joseph Raimondi, everyone. Joseph, uh, joining us for the second straight time. Appreciate uh, appreciate you jumping on again, Joseph. Uh, what's going on? What do you want to talk about? All right, what's going on, guys? So uh, with the report uh, that the Pelicans are dangling uh, either Lonzo or a first-round pick, for somebody taking on Bledsoe's contract, uh, my question for you guys is, would you rather have Lonzo or the first-round pick in, a, in um, addition to Bledsoe? I guess it would depend. You know, it's really funny. I was I was just discussing this with, like, some people uh, from the Strickland, like in Strickland Slack and whatever, and I was like, you know, the the, the Pelicans have some pretty – enticing first round picks the one that i'm really looking at as the one that like if you could get that pick i would take it over lonzo is the 2024 lakers pick that can be deferred to 2025 at will um because i mean that's presumably going to be when Bronny james is in the league i firmly believe that lebron is going to sign a minimum contract somewhere to play wherever Bronny is. And that's going to be like one of LeBron's last two or three years in the league, you know, just playing with his son for however long he feels like it before, before like retiring. Um, And that could mean that the Lakers are just left with Anthony Davis, who obviously, you know, extremely talented, but we've seen with new Orleans isn't necessarily a guy that can drag a team kicking and screaming to the playoffs by himself every year and also deals with injury issues pretty much every year. So if I could get Eric Bledsoe, who I think outside of New Orleans would actually be a, a little better than he is uh, right now. Um, you know, if you put him with Tibbs and, and get him attacking downhill more often and just get his usage into a pattern that's a little better for him than what it is in New Orleans right now. And maybe just a change of scenery would help him out too. But like, He's exactly the type of guard that Tibbs likes. So I would consider him almost sort of a prize in himself uh, if he can kind of regain his old form of years past. And then to get that pick, I mean, that that pick is super duper useful for not just if the Knicks want to use it, but just to use it for like a star, like a legitimate bona fide star. That is a really valuable pick to have to trade down the line. So. Again, it depends on what pick would be available or, like, if they're trying to make it heavily protected or this, that, or the other. But if you can get, like, one of those Lakers picks that has uh, deferment rights on it to basically let you pick which year you want to take it, uh, I can't see. I mean, Lonzo would be a great piece for this year and maybe going forward, but you also have to pay him then. And I just – I feel like I would rather have that that future draft pick to potentially use for, like – the guy rather than Lonzo who could be like a guy, you know what I mean? Uh, so that that's my overall take, but I don't know where you're at with that Gavin. Yeah. I mean, nominally if, if Bledsoe's the guy you get and, and I know he's been, he's been pretty bad this year. And I, I feel like maybe just disinterested in his situation and, and a pretty poor fit in new Orleans. Um, if Bledsoe's the guy you get back, it, not that it, I would you in a vacuum. You'd still want Lonzo Ball because he's he's better and younger. But you can survive with Bledsoe as your starting point guard. I mean, the guy was it like last year, two years ago, he was a borderline All Star. Like he's not he's not like a bad player, and he's he's frankly like I I, I get I kind of get the idea that just because Rose is shooting, 
is slightly better. You could you can make a case that Rose is a better player. I would say in a vacuum, if Bledsoe's the guy who was in Milwaukee last season, like he he's still a better player than Derrick Rose is. So that would make me lean a little bit more towards the pick, just because the drop off from Ball to Bledsoe isn't nuts. I get why for the Knicks in particular, it's pretty significant, just because Ball is such a better shooter at this point, and and is so much better as like a, a go a lead ahead passer. And a guy who, um, I mean, CP was talking about this on our pod today, like if anyone in the league, maybe not anyone in the league is strong to say, but out, out of a whole horde of point guards, like Lonzo's a good candidate to get someone like Obi Toppin going. He's a great candidate to play next to Emmanuel quickly with his size and his defensive acumen. I, I, I get all the arguments for Lonzo, but as we know, if the Knicks don't get him now, that doesn't necessarily preclude them from going after him this offseason. So I would, I would lean towards the pick. I'm just I'm not sure if New Orleans would be willing to give up like the most premium in their stash. It might just be this year's pick, which which is good in its own right. I mean, you're looking at a pick that like if it doesn't move up or down is probably like 11th in the draft, 12th in the draft right now. That's that's a pretty good option. That might mean Corey Kispert if you're the Knicks. Um, I would I think. I think at the end of the day, I would slightly lean towards the pick, but I'm, I'm open to hearing arguments for Lonzo. Like, I think, I think sometimes when teams are thinking about this stuff, they get a little too fanciful, and it's like it, it's a little bit of like what is it, the bird in the hand versus I, I don't I don't know the analogy, but um, it, it, they they get a little bit too like in their own heads and like I wonder what this mystery box could be versus Lonzo Ball, 23 year old who's who's very good at all the things the Knicks need right now. So I know that that was an inconclusive answer to your question, Joseph, but uh, those are my thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. So can I offer my, my argument for for Lonzo? Yeah, go for it. I just, you know, like I'm a simple man and, and I have like a different opinion than a lot of people on this when it comes to team building. And I just, you know, I watch 82 games a season of Knicks, and, um, I, like, I just want to enjoy it. And um, so, I like, I'm okay with trading for, Lon- like, getting Lonzo, locking him up, extending Randall. Like, I just want to be a perennial playoff team. And taking that next step to become an actual championship contender, like, maybe that comes, maybe it doesn't. But, like, I'm okay with being the Mike Woodson era Hawks. Like, I just want to be a perennial playoff team. I want to enjoy watching Knicks basketball. I want to have a puncher's chance in the playoffs. And um, I think trading for Lonzo and locking him up for four years and keeping this core that we have, which is coming together nicely, is just a way to do that. And then if down the line a blockbuster trade comes along or, you know, we can maneuver to sign a – a big free agent, then that's like the icing on top of the cake for me. But like, I just want to be, I just want to see competitive basketball night in, night out. And I feel like adding Lonzo to this current core. I mean, we got a lot of good vibes going and the team's growing right now. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe RJ takes that another leap and, and becomes a real, a real all-star. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I would like to have that, like I said, you know, that Mike Woodson era Hawks team that's just in it every year, even if we never get over the top. Yeah, I mean, like a few, a, a lineup going forward of Lonzo, IQ, RJ, Randall, Mitch. Like, sign me up. That's shooting, playmaking, defense. That's a lot of fun. You, you, you talked me into it, Joseph. I'm, I'm, I'm on board 
with Lonzo Ball, especially especially if the cost is just taking out a contract. All right, Joseph, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, as always, like, is, is there anything you want to plug anywhere you, you want people to follow you? Uh, no, I mean, on Twitter, um, at the fan of me. Uh, that's about it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks yeah, a lot. Enjoy the show. Yeah, thanks, Joe. All right, guys, that is it for part one of Fan Wednesday. It was a lot of fun. Remember, if you want to tune in in the future, you can. Where All you have to do is download the Locker Room app, and uh, we usually post on Twitter what time we're doing it. But going forward, generally, it's going to be 5.30 on Fridays unless something big happens or, or there's a reason to do it on another day. But if you're not already, please do follow us on Twitter at LockedOnKnicks. And if you want to throw us a follow on the Locker Room app, at Gavin Shaw, at Alex Wolf, uh, we'll be on there and we'll be talking to you guys. The the format is really cool, as you heard. You could pop in, ask us questions, talk about whatever. It was a whole lot of fun. Until next time, which will be in just a few moments, you can listen to part two on Locked on Instagram.